0: What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimmling here with y'all as always. Coming to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky. It is rivalry weekend in college lacrosse. We've got Hopkins, Maryland, Army, Navy, Michigan, Ohio State, Virginia, Syracuse as well. It's a big weekend here among... The college lacrosse landscape. Last week in the season for both the Big Ten and the MAC as well. With their conference tournaments getting underway next weekend. We are in the final weeks of the season. Very much so. And this weekend is rivalry week as I mentioned. Especially there in the Big Ten. also Army and Navy America's game on the lacrosse field. Before we get into things though, do you want to remind y'all, you can listen to the LaCrosse Buggy Podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch on YouTube as well. Remember to hit the subscribe button, hit the like button where you can, leave the five-star reviews where you can. All of those ways help us grow the show. Now, let's get into things here. And before we get to the games, we do have to start with some coaching carousel news. As Denver last night announced, Matt Brown as the Pioneers' next head men's lacrosse coach, succeeding his teacher in Bill Tierney. Now, if you have been following... College across for any amount of time now. This news was not a surprise, um, and I believe I mean we'd mentioned even on this podcast back in January when the news came down that this would be Tunney's last season. That his successor was probably going to be Matt Brown. Um, I I would have been surprised if it was anyone else but Matt Brown. Now, we do you know they did interview? a number of other candidates, so it was an a official national search, but I I think their, their answer was, was always right in front of them, so to speak, and, and there was even a quote um, from an interview, I think it was back in February, where Bill Tierney had mentioned, um, you know, hey, Matt Brown is uh, uh, someone I would like to see succeed me. Um, I don't think he used that exact phrase, but something to the effect of, you know, Matt Brown, we've uh, I've been, you know, guiding him, you know, tutelage uh, under my tutelage. Been kind of preparing him to be to take that next step here at Denver, and 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 he does that at his alma mater. I think f- first and foremost, n- no surprise here, a, a great hire. He's done great things there with the offense. He's done great things in recruiting. Uh, for Denver, was obviously part of that coaching staff to win a national title. In 2015, Denver LaCrosse has risen with Matt Brown, part of it. As a player uh, from, what did he play? 2005 was when he graduated. Um, and then he was on the Jamie Monroe staff for a couple years and then was kept on by Tuny. So, I mean, Denver, Matt, Matt Brown it, it is Denver LaCrosse in, in many, many respects. Um, there's a couple things that really stick out to me as being challenges or things I want to see, things I want to learn about about Matt Brown as a head coach. First and foremost, um, how does Matt Brown as a head coach, how does he approach that? What is he like on the sidelines? What is he like in, in, in a practice, all of that? What is kind of his demeanor? We've seen Bill Tierney for years. He, no one's going to be Bill Tierney. Um, and it's going to be difficult to succeed him. Um, it was going to be difficult for anyone. Uh, but Matt Brown is probably the best guy to do that. Having coached under Tierney for what was it now. 14 seasons there at Denver, believe it is. Um, 14 seasons including this year. So... Matt Brown is the guy to do it if there was going to be anybody. And and look, it's difficult to be the guy after the guy, right? Like that's extremely difficult. You look at football, you look at basketball. Um, you know, see Alabama football, Duke basketball, Kentucky basketball, all these programs, and and you look and you see the person who succeeded, you know, Bill Bryant or. Whoever it, it it may have been it was difficult um and you no know, that's the same case here. um where it's gonna be difficult to succeed Bill Tooney, but again Matt Brown the man to do it so I, I I believe in the majority of the lacrosse populace believes that that's kind of the sentiment I've gotten really um past couple of years when it's come up. Hey, who's gonna be the next guy? At Denver. Well, you know, it's Matt Brown. So, kind of how Matt Brown transitions to head coach and and his demeanor and his approach and all that is gonna be interesting to see on the sidelines. Secondly, though, I, I think is is a challenge, a, a challenge for Matt Brown. You look at the Big East, and this is a conference that, since Denver has joined in what was that, two thousand and. Was it 14 when they joined, I believe it was? Um, So, they won it in 2014. They won it in 2015. They haven't won a title since. They haven't won a championship since the national title in 2015. They lost in the title game, in in the Big East title game in 2016. And I believe 17 as well to uh, Marquette. They have not been back. Well, they, they were there in 2018. Lost to Georgetown. Lost to Georgetown again in 2019. Um, They weren't there last year. They were there in 2021, obviously losing to Georgetown again. Uh, Lost to Villanova in the semis last year. Uh, Could very well lose to Villanova in the semis this year as well. Um, That looks like it's going to be kind of what we're heading for. Um, It's another either Georgetown-Denver, Georgetown-Villanova title game this year. Challenge Matt Brown is to, I don't want to say restore Denver lacrosse, because I don't think that they've, I don't think that they're far off from what they were. And obviously the 2015 team is, I mean, it's, and for those watching on on YouTube, I'm, I'm putting my hands up in the air. It's up here. Like, it is held to a higher regard. That 2015 team is the best in program history. It's going to be difficult to get back to there. And what we're seeing with the West now is Denver, and this has always been the case, where some of the best West Coast players would go East. The places like Virginia and, uh, you know, Maryland and Penn, uh, Sam Hanley. uh, Rutgers is getting a lot of West Coast guys, and that's been for a number of years now. It's going to be, like, Denver is never, and with Utah there as well, I don't think Denver is ever going to, quote-unquote, own the West, as some may have said that they did in the past, I think with Matt Brown, that recruiting base that he has, that connection with British Columbia, Canada in general, uh, from being a a native uh, Canadian, is going to be, uh, that is invaluable. And that connection with Canada and BC and all of that has been uh, instrumental in recruiting for Denver you see some of the best players have been from north of the border, across the board. Um, so I think keeping that is going to be, and keeping that recruiting pipeline intact is crucial, and Matt Brown's going to do that. How exactly, and kind of putting all these thoughts together, how does Matt Brown put Denver back in the spot they need to be? he's going to have to slay Georgetown. He's going to have to. He has to slay Georgetown, and from the looks of it, going to have to compete uh, maybe more competitively with Villanova than uh, you had seen in the past. Villanova had, had always been traditionally that third-best team, and they would they would maybe beat Denver once every couple of years, um, I don't believe has ever beaten Georgetown, though, since they joined the Big East. Um, I may, They may have done it once or twice, but I don't believe they have. Um, and, and Georgetown is the king of the Big East. Like, that is the one team that you circle and say, we're going to have to beat them. We're going to have to go toe-to-toe with those guys. How do we do this? How do we slay this dragon? Um, and, and, and that, frankly, is going to be the biggest challenge when I'm looking at it at a Matt Brown era at Denver, is how do we slay Georgetown? How do we get back to the top of the Big East? Because they can, they absolutely can, they absolutely can, but they have to go through Georgetown to do that, and that's going to be a challenge for Matt Brown. Um, also we'll be interested to see who he hires as an assistant. Um, they obviously has to make a assistant coaching hire. Um with himself being promoted to head coach. So that'll be interesting to see who he gets to round out his staff uh, there. Uh, and, and, and so we'll see how things go. But I, I think overall, Matt Brown, a, a great hire. Um, there's some challenges there, certainly. But keeping that continuity and you know keeping the man that is Denver LaCrosse maybe more than anyone, um, out, out your way, and, and, and within that program, and, and now elevating him to the leader of the program. I, I think things are going to be pretty good here for Denver lacrosse in the future under Matt Brown. How quickly do we see, uh, you know, any kind of change? Any kind of, um, you know, if there is change, like how quickly do we see any of that? Um, how quickly? Is Denver going to, uh, you know, rise back up under Matt Brown? Um, and, and you could say, well, they haven't really risen down much either, and that's true. Um, but but how quickly can they slay Georgetown? How quickly can they get back to competing and being the number one team that you think of? Um, you, you know, ironically, when you think of the Big East and um, in, in lacrosse, that is that's to be seen, but 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 I do think it's it's a good hire. Going to be a lot of success to come for uh, Denver in the Matt Brown era. Now moving on to this weekend's games. Uh, let's move first to uh, looking at the schedule here. Maryland and Hopkins, the rivalry. Let's move that out of the frame there. Um. Week 11 of the College Cross season, Rivalry, rivalry Week, and uh, would be would be a tragedy if we did not talk about the rivalry. Uh, the 125th time that the Maryland Terrapins and Johns Hopkins Blue Jays will take the field against each other is on Saturday night at 7 p.m. I am picking Maryland to win this game. Maryland has dominated this series as of late, Winning each of the last five meetings and seven of the last ten, that includes a 22 to seven regular season win last um, spring, they beat them in the Big Ten semifinals, 16 to 11, as well. Um, this time is very different, though. This is going to be a much different game than we've seen in the past between these two. So, Maryland comes in as number three in the country. Hopkins comes in as number seven in the country. I've not checked, but I think this is the first time at least since 2018 maybe that both were top 10 or 15 teams. Um, both very good squads this season. Hopkins is amidst its best season since 2018 coming into Saturday. They've won six of the last seven. That includes a 17-8 win over Ohio State last week. Um they held the Blue Jays off the board for nearly a 28-minute stretch. I mean, held the Buckeyes off the board to, for a nearly 28-minute stretch last week. And we've seen the Blue Jays really blossom in the fourth quarter. This offense has been very good this season. And I think what we've seen with um, John Crawley coming back and, and, and his fingerprints – All over this offense, I think, have been phenomenal. Uh, When you look at Angelus, at Degnon, uh, Brennan Grimes, Russell Mullen, all of these guys have, this is an offense I think that's very, and I've mentioned this before, is very scary because I don't feel like there's one guy that is necessarily the focal point. Um, And while that can be, at times, and for some programs and some schemes maybe, A negative for Hopkins, it is, you know, and look, you do have Angelus who is kind of there as your quarterback, your feeder. You have defined roles, but the way they get it done is this ball movement is fantastic. They move off ball very well. Um, You know, not comparing it to this, but it is similar to what you did see from Maryland last season. Again, not comparing them at all. It is not apples and apples, uh, with that offense at all. That Maryland offense, one of the greatest of all time, but a similar situation where kind of anybody steps up on any given day. Um, you've got your shooters, you've got your feeders and this thing, it's working like clockwork and it especially works in the second half. Um, Hopkins, 7-0 third quarter run last week. Um, you know, they. this is a team that has outscored their opponents 13-5 in the fourth quarter in Big Ten play. The fourth quarter has been very good to them. The third quarter last week was very good to them as well. I think the strength of this team, and frankly, of Maryland as well, is defense. and I'm, that's the thing I'm watching mostly in this one is like which defense is going to be able to show their teeth and win um, more than the other. And so when you look at uh, Hopkins, they've allowed 11 goals per game this season. That's tied, I think, for 19th in Division I. Uh, you've got Scott Smith, Alex Mazone. They're um, just making play after play at close defense. You've got Tim Marcelin one Cage. 152 saves, 52% save percentage this season. Maryland, I, I think Maryland's defense is probably better from a talent standpoint. <coughs> and they have allowed 10.2 goals per game thus far, so they are more productive in that realm. Um, Zapatello may call, obviously, two, maybe the best two-headed monster uh, defensive duo in college lacrosse. Jack McDonald has been phenomenal at the LSM spot. You've seen Dante Trader um, and, and company headline that defensive midfield position. I think Maryland has the edge in the middle of the field, and that's partially why I'm picking them to win this game. Um, but again, this is going to be a battle of these two defenses. And I know when you look at Maryland and you say, well, you know, Jack Kors and all of these guys can step up offensively, as well. Um, and, and I mentioned the kind of Hopkins maybe not having one guy that's like a focal point. I mentioned a few weeks ago that feels like the difference between Maryland's offense last year and the past couple of years and this year where you don't have a Bernhard, uh you don't have a Wisnowskis, Uh You do have guys, obviously, though, like Daniel Kelly, like Jack Kors, Daniel Maltz, who step up each and every week. and And I think uh who was it? Corliss had a big game a few a few weeks ago. Um there you've seen Jack Brennan have big games. So like this is a both offenses I feel like are not the same, but similar in that regard to they can get hot and kind of kill you in many different ways. Um be it. Uh, but defense is the one thing I'm looking at in this game and kind of which defense wins out. Also at the face-off dot. Luke, Luke wheelerman I think, is going to uh, have himself a good day here. He's gone 63% on the season. 178 for 281. And again, this is a rivalry game. Throw all the record books out. This is the best, two that these teams have been in comparison to each other in, what, four or five years now? And uh, they're both 3-1 in Big Ten play. And guess what that means? Saturday night, could very well decide who gets that number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. The rivalry is back. And and I think this, not that it ever went away, but this feels like it's going to be the most intense, most competitive game we've had between these two in a while. In a couple years. Shipping up to the Midwest to... Big Ten country here. We have got Ohio State and Michigan facing off in Ann Arbor on Friday night. Um, Michigan six and seven record, one and three in the Big Ten. Ohio State five and seven record, one and three in the Big Ten. This game, another one, going to have seeding implications in the Big Ten postseason. Um, Believe the loser would get the bottom seat. Um, Michigan comes into this game, and and again, I'm I'm picking Michigan in this contest. And actually, want want, want to mention, I didn't mention the uh, Army Navy, who I'm picking in that one. So want to mention that real quick here. Um, I'm picking Army and Army Navy. I'm picking Maryland and Hopkins, Maryland, as I mentioned, and I'm picking Michigan in this game. Um, and I'm picking Michigan because I think they've played better this season. Michigan, and we mentioned this on Tuesday's Black Etology show, um, and when we talked about some of those Big Ten games. Michigan, the on Sunday, Michigan has played better in their losses than a lot of teams have in their wins. Michigan could very well, if a bounce goes differently, if a shot doesn't hit off a pipe, number of things you could say could be two and two and two maybe uh three and one in big ten play they like the one win they have in big ten play is against Maryland. That's notable. Now the Hopkins game, if I remember correctly, they didn't play as good. And it was another one where Um, And I think part of that deception for me, or or that view for me, comes from Hopkins' dominance in the fourth quarter, as we typically see. Um, But the Wolverines, for the first three quarters, played very well in that game. They played well against against Virginia. They played well against Rutgers. You lose on the road in overtime. Like, that is, that's impressive. And in front of a raucous environment there um, in Piscataway. This is a good team. This is a really good team. They lost 11-9 to Penn State last week, a game where they led for each of the first three quarters. I think the thing for me here is can Michigan put together an entire game? Can they finish? Can they win a game when they need to? They held off Maryland to their credit. They haven't been able to do that against anybody else. But they've played extremely well in each of those games. It's just not being able to finish. So if Michigan can finish, they, they win this game, I think. Michael Baim, Joshua Wada, Ryan Cohen leading this new look Michigan offense with, um not new look, but newer Michigan offense there with Scott Bita as the EFC. All those guys were there last season. <laughs> Ohio State is on kind of a different path. And I don't say that um like it's not a different path in that they've been like the record is so much worse or, or better, um, because the record in the Big Ten is the same. But Ohio State they almost did beat Maryland. Um they're coming off a seventeen to eight loss to Hopkins again. Dominated in the second half by the Blue Jays. Outscored 7 0 in the third quarter of play. Jack Myers, Ed Sheen, they've helped lead the way for this offense. Kyle Border has been great as a transfer, stepping in. Marcus Hudgens, transfer defenseman, has been phenomenal stepping in there as well. This is a talented team. I feel like Ohio State is the biggest, like, what if of the season or the biggest head-scratcher of the season, because I feel like they should be so much better than what their record is. But they they haven't played well. They haven't. Um, Drew Blanchard being injured since he played the Detroit Mercy game, has not played since then. That was back in mid-March. That's been tough for them. They've not been able to win the face-off. They've not been able to get those extra possessions they need. That's been a struggle of theirs for the past month or so. And I think against Wheatfield and company, they're going to struggle again here. So I'm taking Michigan in this one. And it would be, I believe, the second ever win over Ohio State for the Wolverines. Shall that happen? So would be a big one there. And obviously lovely game. Both teams want to beat each other very badly. Again with these kinds of contests. Throw the record books out. I expect a close battle and uh, would be should be an exciting one under the lights on Friday night. Mount St. Mary's do want to mention them real quick here before we get into some other games maybe to talk about they're on its, uh, Mount St. Mary's is on its longest winning streak in 23 years. They've won each of the last seven contests, each being in MAC play. Uh, the Mount has one loss. Lost in conference play, they're 7 and 1, that being a loss to defending MAC champion uh, Manhattan. Siena beat Manhattan on Saturday. Um, the nature of that win puts Mount St. Mary's um, in. The first place here in the MAC, if they beat uh, Siena on Saturday, Mount St. Mary's gets the number one seed in the MAC, and I believe they will also host the MAC tournament as well. So uh, a, a, a huge, huge game on the horizon here for the Mountaineers. I I can't think of a like 2019 was really good for Manhattan. Uh, for uh, me, for Mount St. Mary's. I can't think of another season where the Mount has been this consistent or this good. Um, having watched a couple of the games this season, obviously Joe McMahon has been fantastic leading this offense. Mitchell uh, uh, Dunham is a guy I mentioned in the preseason as a you know uh, under the radar player to watch potentially. Um, he's been fantastic though as a junior. Stephen Schmidt has been fantastic at the LSM spot. Uh, Dunham. Has 28 cars turnovers, leads the team in that regard, 64 ground balls. Uh, Steven Schmidt, uh, the LSM, I believe he also plays on the face-off wings at times as well. 82 ground balls, 24 cars turnovers. Been the leaders of this defense that has allowed 9.8 goals per game. And as we mentioned all the time, in the MAC, you don't really need um, like fantastic offenses, and you don't really ever see that. Um, minus maybe a couple of years there with Marist, um, but you see extremely talented defenses and extremely good defenses that can hold their opposition uh, very well. And uh, this is a defensive heavy conference, and Mount St. Mary's playing right into that. They've got a tough uh, opponent there on Saturday in Siena, who I've been a big fan of this. Season They've had a bumpy season uh, compared to expectations, and especially so in Mac play. Uh, You know, Ryan McCarthy has been leading the way here. Uh, Dylan Pape has been injured at the dot. I believe he's back now, Uh, but there's been some injury there. Uh, George Rusnak, Christian Watts leading this offense as well. Christopher uh, Christopher Yanchoris, one of the uh, better goalies at the mid-major level, 51% save percentage. For him, Um, really two great teams expecting a great battle in this one, and obviously uh, would be a huge, huge win for Mount St. Mary's. Um, A couple other games to mention here before we get out of here. Penn State and Rutgers, another um, Friday night Big Ten Network game. The Nittany Lions host the Scarlet Knights. Um, this will have major postseason implications as well. I think in and, and both I think Big Ten wise and NCAA tournament wise, I think the loser of this game is probably and maybe more so with Rutgers, is probably not is probably relegated to at the time bubble out and likely needs the AQ to get the uh to, to get into the NCAA tournament. Jacksonville and Air Force, a battle of top A Sun teams. Um so right now you have Jacksonville and Utah have clenched a bid in the tournament. Air Force Bellerman, Robert Morris, and I believe Cleveland State or mostly one of those two is 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 kind of what we're looking at right now as like the next teams that are going to be in there. Air Force Bellerman all of you gonna be there um those three pretty much no matter what are, are gonna be in the tournament this is a battle here um for making it into a top four seed um Jacksonville beat Utah Utah, oh, sorry, Utah beat Jacksonville Utah beat Air Force Utah beat Bellerman, Bellerman beat Air Force Jacksonville will likely beat Bellerman in two weeks. So we've got a battle here for kind of three through four. This will help sort that out here on uh Saturday afternoon. Is that a Friday game? No Saturday game it is. Boston U and Lehigh, another uh top game there in the Patriot League to help settle and, and, and possibly solidify Boston U standing there among one of the top two. Um that would put certainly Boston U Army as uh, on in two weeks be the battle for that number one seed in the Patriot League. Um, given the Army wins on Saturday as well, so um, you know if that happens and if Boston U wins, we will get a a battle uh, for the top seed there um, for sure on uh, next Saturday. Uh, Notre Dame and North Carolina. Um, Notre Dame is going off a bye week. Notre Dame is coming off a bye week. It'll be interesting to see how they come out in this one. Are they more relaxed? Did the week off help them? Um, and then um, North Carolina coming off the loss to Syracuse, they're looking to get back in this thing. Uh, this would be a huge win for North Carolina. I don't necessarily see it happen, um, but would be a big win for that team nonetheless. And I believe, uh, yeah, they will play again. In uh, two weeks from now, uh, on May 6th, they will play as well. So one of two games between these two. We also get Notre Dame-Virginia next week as well. Uh, I guess two Saturdays, so three Saturdays, North Carolina, Duke again, Oh, Notre Dame again. Last one here, Virginia and Syracuse, Old, rivals in this one um this one's in Charlottesville um we'll see how things go Virginia looking to pick things back up after another loss to Duke and you have Syracuse looking for uh, a- another you know solidifying win and the biggest one of the season would it be over Virginia after knocking off North Carolina last week, the Orange looking to continue to show their improvement in this one. All right, folks, that's it for today's episode. As always, you can connect with us on social media at LaCrosseBucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, LaCrosseBucket.com, where it's always LaCrosse season.